Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas. I just had the best crackers ever before starting today's podcast. Well, I don't mean, I think ever, at least today for sure. And you guys are going to love this new brand that I can't wait to introduce you today. Brewers Crackers and their founder, Kyle Fiasconaro. Kyle, it's so great having you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Dude, this is so great. And uh, yes, you know, Kyle sent me some samples ahead of time and I've been snacking on the sea salt crackers, which are so good. And, um, like I they taste they're amazing like I could do dip with them and then also there's these honey graham crackers that he sent that I love as well like I love honey graham anyways this I should way off topic um this is not about me but I love it when I get product and this has been so fun so Kyle thanks a ton so for those who don't know Kyle and Brewers Crackers um you're going to learn a lot today and you're going to really think this is a cool company and you're going to want to know where the product is which we'll tell you about later but before we even do any of that Kyle, let's talk about you and your background. Have you always been in like the startup space? Like, how? Did, what's your what's your path to getting here? Uh, never thought I'd ever own a cracker company. That's for sure. <laughs> Got it. Um, I always I always did have something to do with food. Okay. Um, I worked as a cook, chef, wine cook, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Um, my entire life. Um, the last twelve years, I've worked in. Uh, white tablecloth restaurants all the way down to sandwich shops. Wow. So, so you knew I, the industry well. Yeah. I know the industry, um, several different aspects. Um, and so I've always had a connection to the food industry. So that's how I ended up in the food world. Packaged food is just completely different animal. <laughs> yeah, um, than, totally. You know, cooking hamburgers or roasting ribeyes. No question. Now, had you been an entrepreneur before or were you like, what was your career background? Like, were you working for big companies? Were you like, what did that look like? Yeah, straight out of culinary school, I worked for some serious restaurants. Um, I worked at some of the really high end farm to table restaurants. So I've always had a knack for appreciating where the food came from, who grew it, where it ended up. And and really, always what you did with the wasted food, um, right? Which, food that was left over. You didn't want totally. Yeah. I totally agree. And now you guys are seeing where we're going today, um, and which is really cool. And I mean, you you really have to have an eye for that and be thinking about it. I don't know that most people do. You know what I mean? Like when I'm like at a restaurant or whatnot, I don't sometimes think about what happens with the wasted food. I mean, I do imagine there's tons and you can give us some numbers in a minute. But um, for those that don't know, Brewers Crackers, an upcycled food company driven to reducing food waste in the craft brewing industry. I think this is so cool. So, all right, you, you see a problem here, right? You, you notice there's food waste and whatnot, but how did you decide, you know what, I'm going to do something about this and start a business? Right. So I was working as a line cook, um, just an everyday cook at a restaurant in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I used to ride my bike to work every day uh, nice. past the brewery. Nice. Yeah. Um, one day I was riding my bike past that brewery and they had a huge dumpster filled with grain. Um, that grain smelled really good. 
Yeah. And that brewery just happened to share a wall with um, a Jewish bakery. And as I was just riding my bike, I see all this delicious grain sitting there from this craft brewery. And then I see this big Jewish bakery and I could smell, you know, whatever they were cooking, matzah or challah. They were cooking something. Yeah. And I was just like, that's it. I'm going to grab a bag of this grain. So I jumped into the brewery. I asked the brewers, can I grab some grain? They said, yeah, sure. And brought it to the restaurant. And I made crackers that night, put it on the menu as just a small appetizer, maybe like some charcuterie, some cheese. Yeah, of course. And then these, like, these we call them spent grains because okay. they've been used already for beer um, and, and grain cracker. And that wow. was seven years ago. That's so cool. All right. So, yeah. and when you say a spent grain, I know I, 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 I've been sure. in a number of breweries to see how they work um, for my day job <laughs> in the industry, but share with our audience what that means in case they maybe don't know. Yeah, great. I'll lay it all out. So breweries use grain to brew beer. Um, they take barley and wheat. There's just not normal barley and wheat. It's called malted barley and wheat. So malting means that the grain itself is sprouted and roasted so it's sprouted to be able to reach those internal starches and sugars and proteins that's naturally inside barley and wheat and then it's roasted for flavor and that's why a dark beer will be dark like a a porter or stout and then a light beer will be light like an ale or an ipa something like that and then there's everywhere in between those. Right. There's all kind of, I can only imagine there's different variants in between, right? Right. So that, that is what breweries use. They boil that grain to extract those sugars. Um, that's why you see those huge kettles in breweries. And then once they've extracted all that sugar and they've made this big barley wheat soup, they strain the grain. So they keep the liquids to sure. make the beer with the liquid. So they ferment it. And then the grain they throw away because at that point the brewery's done with it. Wow. Okay. Got it. And so like truly just trash these all these grains. Does that happen in a on large scale today? I mean, in all these different breweries around the country and around the world actually? Right. So every single brewery that brews beer uses that method. Um, they bring in hundreds of thousands of pounds of grain a year. Um, and that's bringing it in. And then the next step is getting rid of it. So disposing of that grain is a huge issue in breweries. Sure. And each brewery deals with that issue differently. So why couldn't they sell that spent grain to companies like yours that make amazing food? Like It seems like a revenue source potentially for them. Right. Great question. Uh, lots of breweries do. Lots of breweries have that grain sold even before it's brewed. Um, it'll go to animal feed uh, all over the country. Um, but that's only one part of the brewing world is those large scale breweries that can sell that grain before it's brewed. There are thousands of craft breweries across the country, speckled all through cities sure. and suburbs and just so many craft brewers everywhere. And they couldn't possibly contract a farmer to come in and pick up that grain. So a lot of that grain just kind of gets lost in the food system. So that's where companies like me come in and 
kind of fill in the blanks. Wow. That's really, really cool. Okay. So you, you said something earlier I, I wanted to come back to. You said you took some of those grains to the restaurant and made some <laughs> crackers or bread, uh, right? Crackers, I think you said. How, how did you know how to do that? I mean, how did you figure that out? Uh, I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. great. <laughs> How did you figure so it out? <laughs> so, so, so being a cook, um, you just kind of like figure it out. So we took the grain, we added some flour, I added some salt, and I think the original recipe had some butter in it too. Um, Always good. And that's and then we just, Always good. Yeah, and then I just made a dough, rolled it out real flat, um, and then I just wrote down everything I did. Okay. And then every wow. time I changed something, I just kept writing down the changes until I got to a place I liked it. And that's how we did it. That's so cool. Yeah. Now, okay, so did the restaurant think, man, we got a new hot seller here? Or were you thinking all along, I'm going to make this into a product once I mastered the recipe? Oh, no way. <laughs> Never thought it was going to be a product. Um, <laughs> so it's a fun it. hobby. <laughs> yeah, we liked it in the restaurant because, you know, bread, bread's expensive. You know, bread comes from a bakery. You know, Baker puts a lot of time and energy into that bread. You know, they have to sell it to a distributor. Distributor has to sell it to you. So a bread's like a lot of time and energy goes into bread. The cracker was something that we can whip up real quick. Sure. And it has a great shelf life. And if we needed them, we could just make them real quick. So that's, that's it was appeal. Um, and the servers and the staff in the restaurants just love talking about it. Um, I bet. So that's, its appeal was just like ease, shelf life, and just the way it could be talked about and the idea it's just really easy okay so when was the point at which you said you know what i'm going to take this recipe and i'm going to make crackers and package them and sell them like what was the first step along that path right first step there was i had so that was the first crackers were made in brooklyn i had moved with my now wife to boston massachusetts her cousins own a sandwich shop they said hey listen we know being a line cook isn't the easiest job in the world come work with us at our sandwich shop you know you'll have better hours it'll just be like a more uh you know chill way of life so i said okay sure uh, i had ended up making them the crackers they said they love them and they said you know what you should make this a product and sell it Ooh. and for some reason, I thought that was a great idea. Um, <laughs> I think it is you know, too. Then I got the, <laughs> the um, my brain got going. I was like, wow, I really use a lot of this grain. Maybe this can be my life's work. Like I can, I can fight food waste, get all the grains from all the breweries and turn this into like this huge global movement. So that was the, uh, the big picture idea. Oh, I love that. Um, so they suggested you do this. Um, you knew how to make product, which is good. How did you figure out though the first step? And did you already have like one that was going to be the go-to? Was there just one flavor at first and then that was going to be what you started with? Or how did you solve that and figure out packaging and that kind of stuff? Exactly. Yeah. I had one flavor and I called it the original. Oh, um, very nice. Yeah. Very, very original. It, it. Yeah. Right. Um, then the second flavor came, we were working at the sandwich shop and we had a lot of sesame seed buns from the sandwiches we used to make. So I used to save all the sesame seeds all month long that would fall off the buns. And then that became the second flavor was the sesame. <laughs> wow. I didn't have to buy sesame seeds. 
That's kind of cool idea. I mean, who would have thought? I mean, most people probably throw the sesame seeds away. I don't know. I'm just thinking usually kind of messy, you know, like you just throw it in the trash. Yeah, yeah. What a yeah, cool we idea. We just had so many. I just couldn't bear to see them get thrown away. Um, so box after box after month, I would have probably about a gallon of sesame seeds. That's awesome. And that became second flavor. Okay. So what about packaging? So did you have somebody to help you with that? Or was it at first very rudimentary? Or what did that look like? Uh, packaging was super rudimentary. It was a plastic bag. <laughs> plastic bag, bag to start. I was going to say. <laughs> with a little tag yeah, staple to it. Bag, <laughs> plastic bag with a sticker. And then I wrote on the sticker what it was. Um, and I sold those on the shelves of the sandwich shop. The first day I put them on the shelf, I thought we were going to sell at least 100 bags. I we sold two. <laughs> two! <laughs> And not not a good a busy, start. Some people didn't know what it was, it's man. A busy, it's a busy sandwich shop. I mean, there's over a thousand people walked in the sandwich shop that day, and we so maybe sold two, maybe. So <laughs> super super confused. Um, definitely like upset. Probably more confused though. So after that, we started our hardcore sampling of the crackers. Yeah. That's all you have to do. I mean, like, uh, as I was, as I said, you know, when we got on, I was eating one, which I won't do now because I won't be able to talk. Um, but I mean, it's like, once you try it, it's yeah. Where are these? I'll buy these. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm sure. And then once you get people hooked, it's where do I uh, just get them next time I'm in here again. Right. I mean, yeah. So the packaging was just, it evolved. It went from that plastic bag and then it went into kind of like a brown crafty, um, bag with a little window so oh, you can see nice. the crackers that's nice um, and then eventually uh, i went to the supermarkets and i was like what are other people doing yep. um and then i kind of just did what other people were doing um, i knew if they were selling crackers like that i can sell crackers like that um, and that's kind of where i kind of learned about packaging about who did it before me that's awesome and not to sound like i copied anyone but uh, that's a smart way to do it though why <laughs> recreate the wheel um so your packaging is awesome yeah i mean your packaging is great so um did you get help kind of going to that level because it's one thing to use you know the, the paper bags of the windows and plastic bags and all but i mean like your packaging now is it's super high-end professional looking um great not only the design but just uh, everything around it so you know what did that look like and how did you navigate the whole, you know, getting approvals and whatnot for to sell a food product? Uh, I always knew I wanted to be able to convey the message of what I was selling um, with the packaging. And I think every brand wants to do that. And some products are easier than others. You know, beer is pretty easy. You just write beer on the <laughs> beer can and, and that's it. Right. Um, but when you're selling a cracker that uses an ingredient from beer brewing waste it's kind of a trickier situation so i always knew i needed to have visibility so i went with a completely clear container so you can see what's in there yep um i always knew i wanted to have a big story on the container so half the story about what brewers crackers is yeah so that was important and another huge aspect is I have a lot of friends that work in supermarkets, cheese shops, um, restaurants. So I just asked them. I, I, would, I would make a rough copy on a piece of paper and I'd say, what do you think about this? And they'd say, yeah, that's terrible. 
And then I would go back again and I'd say, what do you think about this color? And they'd say, oh, this color is good. This is really good. And then once I got closer to a finished product with any packaging, I would just go into the store and put it on the shelf and see what it looks like. Right. Um, Why not? I'd say, the people in the stores, the cheese shop owners, the supermarket managers, that is my biggest resource. No the question. That all, the people that are selling my product for me. That's the biggest uh Yeah. I mean, it's help. funny you say that. I, I just jogged something in my memory. Um, my wife and I have launched a, a, a whole line of card games. And when we first started the first one, we took it to a major retailer just to put it on the shelf next to others to see how it would look. You know what I mean? Like, would it fit or where would it fit or not? Would it, you know what I mean? Like, and actually that was a really cool exercise and the store people didn't care. I kind of told them that I, and the way in there, like, they thought it was kind of cool, you know, but what a great idea to test out some of your packaging. Right. Yeah. I think constantly putting yourself in the consumer's shoes is the best thing you can do. Um, I am a consumer, but I'm in, I'm in love with my brand. You know, I'm definitely a biased consumer, yeah. but it's, it's invaluable. I sure. think that is like, we could stop the podcast there. And that was like the bottom line. Um, but we're not, um, yeah, the sea salt one, I really like, I, I think like hummus would be good or cheese. Like they'd be really good with this, which is what I'm going to have later once we hit stop. Um, so, okay. Very, very cool. So you, you, I can, it's, it's really great to see how you've progressed your packaging. So what about route to market? So you're selling online, I see, and you're selling in the one store, but like, what about getting beyond that? Cause I just did the store locator and I see one of the breweries here in Atlanta also sells it, which is kind of cool. Um, how did you start getting kind of beyond the your one sandwich shop and your website? Right. I went from sandwich shop. I kind of chose my path, I think, but I think the, the path eventually chose me. Um, I sell to a lot of specialty stores. So that being like cheese shops, sure. spice shops, things like that, mostly because they sell those high-end craft made items. Um, Got it. So as soon as I realized that I wasn't going to be able to meet the price point of a supermarket shelf, I knew that these specialty stores are going to be my route. Um, so I started with one. Uh, I brought my samples in. I got to know the people that work there. I did some demos in that one shop. And then another shop probably saw that I was doing this maybe on Instagram or just a small world. You know, people talk. They do. And then I went to the next shop and I said, yeah, of course I'll do a demo in your store. Like uh, I have nothing I'd love to do more. Um, and then I went to the next store and then I did another demo. And then I went to the next store and I did another demonstration. <laughs> and I guess probably two, three years of just that process of just going to a store and just giving them support, um, talking to customers, giving out samples, uh, a couple of years of that. It just completely organically grew. Uh, I don't really have a large marketing <laughs> sure. bank account. Yeah. But um, it, it's, honestly, it's, I want to say like 90% word of mouth for sure. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and I hope all our listeners heard that two or three years, not two or three weeks of trying it, two or three months, 12 months, two or three years. I mean, guys. If you have an idea, you got to stick with it. I mean, it's it it's very rare that you have a two or three week, two or three month success, right, Kyle? 
for sure. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Um, what about production? So again, you, you're making this, you're collecting seeds and making crackers, but now, I mean, you've got a lot of crackers being made. So did you have to shift how and where you manufactured? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm constantly shifting, uh, <laughs> manufacturing. Uh, so I started in the back of that sandwich shop. Um, that's where things kind of quickly got out of control. Um, I realized I can only make two, three cases a day. Um, I just ran into the numbers. That's just not got enough. Out of control. That's not <laughs> enough. No, that's not enough. So I moved to a, a community kitchen. So it's a kitchen in Boston that supports, um, small companies just like me that need to grow um, for about a year or two. And then, you know, you, you move on to the next stage. So I was there for about a year in this community kitchen. Uh, people were making crab cakes. People were making bone broth. There wow. were food trucks. That's cool. A, a crazy situation um, in Boston. So that was amazing to help me get to the next level. Uh, quickly after that, I went to a shared kitchen that was specifically made for making large-scale bakery goods. So they made burger buns, they made brownies, they made some crackers. So that was the next big, big move. Uh, I went up there, uh, I met the team, and you know, I had eight people working for me that made crackers. Wow. And first time we made crackers up there, uh, that's in Vermont. Uh, we made crackers once every three months. And I was so scared that I wasn't going to be able to sell those crackers. We made so many crackers. <laughs> oh man! And I'm sure anyone that's listening that's yes. had a inventory, um, like a manufacturing inventory situation, has yeah. that like moment. Um, and you see you all that, and you're like, "Oh my head. god, it's never going to sell." I'm about to throw all this out. It's a waste. Yeah. But then so the second I saw that, <laughs> whew, that that was the kick in the ass I needed was was having that much inventory to say, oh, here we go. This is my job now. Right. Um, so at that point, I quit my job wow. and I sold the crackers. That's and so we cool. did it over and over and over. Um, and now we bake every single day. Oh my God, every day. That's so cool, man. What a cool story. You know, again, for those listening, like this is why I love this podcast. Like, you'd, I mean, you get such cool stories like this. Um, amazing. Um, all right. So what does the year ahead look like? Like as we're coming into a new year, any special things you're focused on? I know from a product perspective, you tried to narrow, keep your focus narrow on the flavors and whatnot. How do you think about that? Absolutely. We used to have four flavors of crackers. We've narrowed it down to two flavors. We have a a sea salt flatbread and an everything flatbread. Yes. Um, We saw that people, People wanted flatbreads. People were buying flatbreads. So I said, you know, we're going to do a, a small shift from crackers, small kind of bite-sized crackers into flatbreads. Um, and we're going to make it super high quality. Um, the spent grain is at the forefront of the cracker. There's tons of it in there. So, so every cracker is so super good. malty, um, like a slight sweetness, but it's all like that natural barley and wheat sweetness. and stick with those two flavors. I don't want 30 flavors. I don't want 10 flavors. I want people to say, I want that one or this one. Um, and that makes my life much easier, um, for like quality standpoint, totally. uh, production, inventory, you know? So those are the crackers. And then we're coming out with this month, 
uh, Brewer's chips, mm. which is super exciting. So, all right, will they yeah. be potato chips or will they be crackers as chips? Do you know what I'm saying? Right. So it's it's more like a cracker. It's more like a pita chip, actually. Oh, okay. That sounds and amazing. So make, make individual pitas, uh, bake them, cut them, and then dry them out. And same um, concept as the crackers. Tons of spent grain in there. And we'll have a rosemary flavor, and we'll have a sea salt. Again, oh, two cool. flavors, straight up the middle. You know, you want something a little bit flavorful, you get the rosemary, something that use the dips, yep. you get the sea salt. Yeah. And we think the, I think the chips is just an opportunity to spread the idea of upcycling and fighting food waste to a completely different uh, type of consumer. Maybe someone that shops at... Um, you know, a liquor store or they buy their beer and they would buy some chips. Maybe now instead of buying like some potato chips, they can buy something a little bit more thoughtful um, and learn a little bit. Sure. I love that. Wow. Well, speaking of learning, uh, you've had a lot of lessons learned, I'm sure, in the path to where you are today. You've got so much growth in front of you. What would be, you know, two or three lessons learned you'd share with our listeners as far as, you know, being an entrepreneur in this space and building a food brand? I would say keep it super, super simple. Um, that's coming from me. Uh, that's a guy that's taking a food waste product and turning it into a cracker, but which is super complicated. But as far as packaging, recipe, product, I'd say keep it, keeping it as simple as possible is going to be your best way to uh, enter the marketplace as a familiar product. Um, I think keeping your product super familiar to people is important. Um, new products are fun and everything, and it's it's cool to have packaging and and make it look like it's you know a piece of art, which it is. You know, designers are involved, and but if, if it's so outside the box, consumers might not be able to grasp it as well. So keep it, it super simple. Totally agree. You know? um, yeah, yeah, I like to think my brand looks like it's been around for 10, 20 years. It does, but it but. tastes so good. I really love it, and I'm so glad you uh, shared that with me. Um, Kyle, share with our listeners where they can find you, how they can connect with the brand, uh, etc. Yeah, uh, you can go over to our website at brewerscrackers.com, and you can actually buy them there. You can buy the um, crackers, and then soon you'll be able to buy the chips there. And you should be able to, depending on where you are in the country, you could go on our locator map and uh, we're in all 50 states. That's amazing. I mean, seriously, we didn't even talk about distribution and whatnot. But um, I mean, has that been a big challenge for you or what does that look like? Uh, distribution seems like it's going to be a really, really, really big challenge. But, but, not, right, found, but not yet. Um, <laughs> you can still manage it. Right. Right. Um, I found if you, if you just find a distributor that you like and a distributor that you trust that may be more valuable than having 10 distributors. Ah, um, I, I think that's, and that's something I think, you know, when you come back on, um, like in the next year or so, it'd be fun to explore that with you because I'm sure that will evolve as you get even more volume. And you know, your cracker, your cracker has like a little bit of the wheat or barley smell to it too. I like that. It's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, or maybe that's just my mind thinking that it does like a, a beer factory, but brewery. Um, dude, it's been so great meeting you, Kyle. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. And uh, I hope you'll come back down the road and uh, share some of your other stories with us. Yeah, I hope to come back soon and show you how I've grown. 
The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.